series, Origins. If this is your first time here, or the first time for this series, here's what the definition of origins is. Can you bring that up for me? The rise, beginning, the point at which something begins, the place or moment where something begins to exist. I want you to remember that definition, definition for a little bit later. Everything, every person in this room, you've got an origin story. In fact, one writer said it like this. Everything has an origin story. Every place, every person. We come from the womb of a woman who came from the womb of a woman who came from the womb of a woman. We inherit gifts and weaknesses. We are born in triumph and strife. We are swaddled in kindness or indifference. And we are made to learn and walk among others who have their own origin stories, their own burdens, and their own history. Who you are today is the direct result of events in your life, uh, words spoken over you, words spoken to you, that shaped you into who you are today. The same is true. Who you'll be tomorrow, who you'll be five years from now, ten years from now, is going to be the result of decisions and choices and events that happened in your life, how you allow them to mold you. Are you, are you following me? Because we do, have, we do have options. Are you hearing me? I don't deny that there are, especially knowing the statistics, that there are people in here that have been hurt, that have been molested, that have been abused, that have been the victim of, of, of social injustice. I don't deny that at all. But here's the thing. While you can't control that, you can't control your response to that. Are you hearing me? So uh, my, my origin story, the new one, began 32 years ago, sitting right back there around where Chris Gross is sitting, uh, in a, at the last night of a seven-week revival where I rededicated my life back to God after running from him for over two years down in California and places. That's where my new origin story began. Now, how many know it's a process? I wish that I had gotten saved, gave my life to Jesus, and the next day woke up not wanting to do anything bad, wanting to do all the right things. Come on. I wish that were the case. But that's not the case. We still live in this world that is broken with options. Are you hearing me? Uh, next week, we're going to celebrate 38 years as a community, as a church. Yeah, amen. But how many know the origin of this church isn't 38 years ago? It's over 40 years ago that the origin of this began to be played out in the minds of my mom and dad, where God planted the vision inside of them. So everything has an origin. Um, me, man, I don't, I can kind of tell you where my love for music comes from. Uh, because I grew up in a musical family. Uh, my mom played piano. Uh, I don't know. I mean, when I say I grew up Pentecostal, I grew up Pentecostal. My mom played piano, a grand piano. She is the only person, and I promise this is true, that I've seen wear the, uh, what, the ivory, the, actually off the keys. I mean, it was, the wood was showing through. She played it hard. You would see her at times playing with one hand. Just getting it going. 
My dad played guitar and sang. My my family, my brothers play played different instruments. So I grew up loving music. Now I don't know where my love for movies come from, cause uh, the 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 church I grew up in, you were not allowed to go to movies. Some of y'all know. In fact, I was around 14 years old when I went to visit my mom's brother in, in Georgia, and he took me to my first movie. And I made a mistake of telling mom and dad. But whatever, man, I, I got this where I love, love movies. I have not, because of the pandemic, I have not gotten to go uh, to nearly as the, the movies nearly as much as I like to, but I will tell you the first time it was opened up, there wasn't nothing in my, my mind worried about this or worried about that. I was in the theater and I could have cared less if it's crowded. Listen, I, I had to share popcorn with you. Listen, I didn't care. Absolutely. You don't, absolutely. We're in the movies. I didn't care. I love movies, but you know what? When you combine movies and music, a good soundtrack makes a movie. Come on. I'm talking a good soundtrack will make you scared, feel nervous. It'll make you have these feelings of happiness, of lovey-dovey feelings. It'll, I'll never forget taking my wife to see, uh, some of y'all are going to call me a sinner for this, uh, took her to see Silence of the Lambs. She grabbed hold of my leg. And I promise you, her bony fingers got into my leg like it was nobody's business when that music would get intense. Because I'm telling you, a great soundtrack can do that for you. It, it can make you want to go out and fight. Come on, Rocky. You tell me that don't make you. You walk out of Rocky thinking, I can whip anybody. <laughs> I mean, you do. It's just a great soundtrack. In fact, soundtracks become sometimes more popular than the movie. You'll hear a song, and you may not know the movie, but you know the song. Hey, hey, let's, let's, let's do something fun. Casey, uh, where's Ben? Let me get Casey and Ben up here. Hey, we're going to do a game. We didn't do this at 9 a.m. because I'm on time limit there. I want you to be over this side. We will call you team left. We will call you team right. And listen, this has nothing to do with your political affiliation, so don't. Team left, team right. What we're going to do, I'm going to play the beginning of a, uh, of a song from a soundtrack from a movie. You cannot just shout it out. You've got to get your hand up in the air. And with you, I'm going to trust these pastors that they can see whose hand goes up first. Now, points are involved here. We're starting out with 1,000 points. 1,000. Are you ready? Help me back. Help back there, Kelsey. you got to see who raised their hand first. Make sure we're up. Hold on, man. Hold on, man. I'm, I'm going to give this to the Linton family just, just because their love for all things Disney. What is it? Lion King. Lion King. All right. Hey. Okay, y'all ready? Y'all realize that these points don't mean anything. All right, let's go again. It was over here. It was over here. Ethan? Who was it? What is it? Too long. 
This side gets one shot. What is it? Hey, 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 hey. You can't help. All right, hey. Let's go. Listen, there's no iron team. I don't know what that means. Let's go again. Right here. What is it? What? What's the movie? What's the movie? What? Wizard of Oz. Wait. Did he? Let me. He said Wizard of Oz. Okay. Hey, hey, listen, listen. This is church. Don't get no attitudes. <laughs> hey, let's go again. Keep them coming. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know we got to let them know, but I want to hear it. Play a little more of it. This is when I'm at the gym and this comes on. Oh, it's on. Some of y'all don't even know. What, what is it? What is it? What's the song? Eight mile. All right, let's go. Let's hurry. Let's go. Right. This, this is more than we did at 9 a.m. Dirty dancing, which is something we did not. We didn't even. Oh, ho, ho. I, man, don't get. Kelsey, don't get ahead of me. Bradley. Breakfast Club. One more, one more. You're going to thank me for this. Who was first? Hey, get us up there to the chorus. I want to get this stuck in everybody's head. Bring it up, bring it up. week <laughs> no man hey music has the ability to make the movie right i mean so with that being said what is known as the great now y'all gonna have to 9 a.m nobody even answered this question what is known well known as the greatest story ever told the story of jesus the story of Jesus. If, if that is the greatest story ever told, shouldn't it have a great soundtrack? 
Come on, shouldn't have a great soundtrack? And that's what we're going to talk about today is providing a soundtrack to Jesus. Because, see, God, when we look at this, God has been writing this story for a long time. From Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. It, 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 it all points back to him. Jesus is at the center of it all. He is the main character in the story. Creation is all about Jesus. Life, time, eternity, history, redemption. We realize this point. If you're taking notes, it, it's this. His story is what gives meaning to our story. Are you hearing me? His story. His story is what brings context to our story. And I don't think a lot of us understand the fullness of that statement right there. Because a lot of us, we live our lives as though our jobs is what brings meaning to our lives. Our education is what brings meaning to our lives. Our kids is what brings meaning to our lives. And we don't live with the realization that his story is what brings meaning to our story. And if we're being honest, we live a lot of our lives uh, where he's not. Who's the main character in our story? We are. In fact, if I'm being honest, what Donald Miller wrote in his, his book, Blue Like Jazz, there are a lot of days it relates to me where he said this. My life felt like it was a story about me because I was in every scene. In fact, I was the only one in every scene. I was everywhere I went. If somebody walked into my scene, it would frustrate me because they were disrupting the general theme of the play, namely my comfort and my glory. Other people were flat characters in my movie. Sometimes I would have scenes with them. They would speak their lines. But the movie, the grand movie stretching from Adam to the Antichrist was about me. He says this, I wouldn't have told you that, but that's how I lived. Don Miller just described the way a lot of us live our lives. We're the main character in the story. Our lives are all about us, about what we want. So today, I want to bring you one simple challenge. One simple challenge. I know Mariah loves a challenge. Here's my challenge. Fire yourself from being the main character. Fire yourself from being the main character and sin surrender to becoming part of his story. And you, I hope you realize I'm talking to followers of Jesus too. Surrender to becoming the soundtrack to his story. You realize we are the soundtrack to the greatest story ever told. Our worship is a soundtrack that brings the story of Jesus to life. I said this last week. Everyone in here, we are disciples of something or someone. We're learning. We're gleaning. Whether it's some, some uh, icon on the internet, someone on there that, 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 that is telling us how to be popular, how to be successful, how to dress, how to do things. The problem is this. If we look to them and we get our storyline from them, our storyline is meaningless meaningless because while they may make a good character in that movie in that story that's not the story we were made to be part of are you hearing me are you come on guys are you hearing me we've got to understand and grasp the very reason why we are here 
what our lives were meant for. The, the origin of all this is if we're going to be those that live, we've got to understand if we're going to be those that live the life God created for us. Anybody heard of the word logos? Greek word, logos. Logos was a Greek uh, philosophy. It, that, that here, here's what it meant. It actually meant, the actual meaning of logos is this, the reason for life. The reason for life. And the reason for life in the times of Jesus in those days, it was a much debated topic. These philosophers would get together. They would spend hours on end debating what is the reason of life? What is the logos? What is the meaning of life? And here's what happened, though. After much debate, they finally gave up and said, you know what? There is no logos. There is no meaning. There is no reason for life. And here's what's sad. When you come to the point in your life where you say, there really is no point in life. There really is no meaning in life. There is, it really is no purpose. That changes the way you see everything from there out. It changes how you view faith, how you view hope, how you view the world you live in. It changes how you see love when you decide there is no Logos. And after many failed attempts at proving what the Logos was, they said, there is none. There is no reason for life. Then enter Jesus into the picture. If you got a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Uh, before we jump in, let me give you some back background. John was well aware of the philosophical teaching of that time. That, that they were looking for logos. And that, that by the time they got to where Jesus and John were on the scene, philosophers had just said, you know what? There really is no reason. There really is no meaning for life. And then John steps in and says this. In the beginning was the what? And the? Was with God and the? Let's try that again. I believe I'm going to do better. In the beginning was the? And the? Was with God and the? Was God. Here's what you need to understand. The people listening on when John said these words, it was life-changing information to them. Because they've been told up to this point, there really is no reason for life. There really is no meaning for life. And John shows up and says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Anybody want to guess what the, what the Greek word for word is here? Logos. John basically stood and said, in the beginning was the reason for life. And the reason for life was with God. And the reason for life was God. And this was groundbreaking news to those listening on. And John knew it. John's trying to tell these people, hey, you want meaning. You want purpose in your life. You're not going to find it from some philosopher, some culture icon. It can only be found in the person of Jesus. That's where the meaning, the true meaning of life is. You want your life to count? You want it to mean something at the end of your days? So Jesus, he's the logos, the reason for life. And I want to give you four truths about Jesus that I believe we need to understand. The first one is this. Jesus was and is forever. Was and is forever. I mean, the opening of John 1 declared, in the beginning was the Word. 
In the beginning. Do you know what that phrase means in the beginning in, in its actual language, the original language? I'm not going to try to say the Greek word because I would slaughter it. But here's what it means. That by which anything begins to be the origin. The origin of it. John is saying the origin of life, of a life with purpose, of a life with meaning, of a life with reason, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It, it, isn't it funny? I, I think it's funny that the way John opens up his book, uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, is the same way Moses opened up uh, the Torah. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We, we could... We could shorten that verse very simple and say, in the beginning, God. God. The origin of it all, God. God spoke and galaxies were formed. God spoke and, and birds and animals came to life. God spoke and the stars went into place. God spoke and waters filled the earth. God spoke and trees and vegetation, fruits and vegetables. They grew up. God spoke and man was formed. In the beginning, God. The origin. And here in John, God speaks again. But this time when he speaks, it takes on flesh and blood in the form of his son, Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You'll find something interesting. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they really focus on the events around Jesus' life, things he did. John focuses primarily on Jesus. In fact, when you look at it, the whole book of John focuses on Jesus' 33 years of life, 20 days of his life. And so John, when he opens up, he's like, I want to make sure you know who I'm talking about when I say Jesus. I want you to make sure you know I'm talking about the reason for your life, the reason for existence. And he says, if you'll bring that John 1 once inside of it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And the life that was the light of all mankind. And check out verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not over." Come it. it could well be said like this, and the darkness cannot overcome it. John is saying this, hey, Jesus was and is forever. Try all you want to. Podcast on the way to Knoxville and, and uh, uh, Cooper, Cooper stuff. If we really believe Jesus rose from the dead, then all this other stuff shouldn't really worry us to the point where it Amen. stops us. Because what Jesus, I'm, I'm telling you, he, he, he is forever and ever. And there Right to throw on the church that will extinguish his light. His light cannot be put out. In fact, thank you, man. In fact, Jude says it like this. 
To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. What about 2 Timothy 1.9? God did this. I love this. Not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan when? From the beginning of time. From the beginning, from the origin of time. His plan was to save us. Then John, somewhere around in his 90s, and Jesus begins to say, you want to know who I am, John? And he says this in Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And if that wasn't enough, jump down to verses 17. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, hey, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever. And I hold the keys. that deserves a great soundtrack, our worship. I think Bob and our team does a great job. But you know the truth of the matter? Somebody that didn't know how to play anything should be up and get up on the stage and just sing praise to God and we join in with the soundtrack. I've told Bob, Bob knows this, there's songs that he sings that I don't really care for. But you know what I don't do? I don't stand on that front row and say, well, when they get to something I like, then I'll worship. If it's glorifying God, if it's talking about His praises, it doesn't matter what the melody is, that's the, the beat of the song. Man, my heart, I connect with that. I'm going to be part of this soundtrack. I'm going to be part of what's going on right now. Do you remember when Moses, speaking to God, and God has finally convinced, convinced Moses to go talk to his people and say, hey, uh, God sent me to, to be part of your deliverance. And Moses says, okay, God, if I go to them, they're going to say, hey, who sent you? We're going to need a name with this. And then here's what God said to him in Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're going to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, this is more than just a name. God was giving them, he said, give them this description that it all points back to me. Because I am. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the almighty one. You tell them I am has sent you. The ESV study Bible says that when God said, hey, tell them I am who I am. He said God was revealing four truths about himself. He was saying this, I am the God who is self-existent. My existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything. I am the God, the, uh, the creator and the sustainer of everything that exists. Thirdly, I am the God who is unchangeable in my being and my character. I am the same today, tomorrow, yesterday,
definitely don't have a death date. I am. I am. So, Keller, why is all that important to, to, to us? I'm glad you asked. Um, John, in John 5, same book, John 5, he's talking, Jesus is talking to these religious leaders. Now, these Pharisees, teachers of the law. And, and he makes a statement to them, something like this. Hey, if Abraham, because they respected Abraham, the founder of their faith, father of the faith, they respected him highly. And he says this, if Abraham were here today, he would be ecstatic that you're getting to be in the presence of who you're in the presence of right now. He would be ecstatic that you're getting to experience what you're experiencing. And the elders and those others, they got a little attitude with him. He says, you're too young. How, do you, how would you know? How do you even know? And Jesus looks at him and says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, I am. Do you know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was claiming equality with God. The same God that spoke to Moses is the same God that's speaking to you right here today. Which brings me to my second point. Jesus was and is God. If you're new here to Watch Bar and you're kind of on the fence about what we believe, or let me, let me just clear one thing up. We worship Jesus as God. And we are unapologetic in it. We, we fall. We, we, I, yeah. Don't worry. I'm going to give you Bible. We fall down at the feet of Jesus like Thomas did in John 20, 28. When Thomas declared, my Lord and my God. Go back to verse 1 of John 1. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word, what does it say? Was God. So we need to understand we're not just preaching and talking about the story of Jesus. We're preaching and talking about the story of God. Of God. You want to get closer to God? You want to, get, you want to know God closer more and more? Get close to Jesus. Jesus. Jesus told us, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. You want to get closer to God, get closer to Jesus. He is forever, and he is, he is God. Thirdly, Jesus is more than the subject of the story. Let me put this in movie terms. He's not just the main character in the story. He's the creator. He's the director. He's the screenwriter. He's the producer. He's the one. He is the author of the entire story. It's all about Genesis to Revelation. Again, all points to Jesus. He, he is, it's all about him. Let's go back to verses 2 and 3 of John 1. It says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Get this. Without him, Nothing was made that has been made. In other words, without him, there is nothing. Without him, there's no purpose to life. There's no reason for life. There's no meaning for life. He is, he is the central. He is the creator, the director, the screenwriter, the producer, the author of the story. I said this, I, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. 
Remember when I told you, it said, uh, the only one that can truly label something is the creator of it. They can truly give it a label. It's the same with this. The only one that can tell you what your life was really meant to be, how it was meant to be lived, the purpose to your life, the reason, the meaning to your life, the only one that can tell you what it's really meant to be is the author of the story, the writer of the story. Number four, if I can get the team to come on up. Because we're going to close out being the soundtrack. We're going to be the soundtrack for Jesus. We're going to give him some glory in this place. Fourth, Jesus is the source of our life and light. One of the overriding narratives in the Bible, it's so simple that people either overlook it or they get it wrong. One of the overriding narratives is this. this It's all about life and death. It's all about life and death. The problem we mix up is we say this. It's all about life, death, then eternal life. No. It's about life and death. Life the way God intended us to live it. Life the way he laid out for us to live it. Or death. Because if you don't have Jesus as part of your story in your life, all you are is an extra on the set of the walking dead. That's it. There's no life. You look like you're alive. You can physically still do things. But inside, you're dead. He is the source of all life and life. You know, life, the word life gets used at least 36 times in the book of John. The word life gets used another 10 times at least in 1 John. But the word that John uses to describe life, I don't think we got it. The word that he uses, the Greek word that he uses to describe life is zoe. Here's what it means. The absolute fullness of life. Life in the absolute sense. Life as a principle. Life as God has it. Life real and genuine. A life active and vigorous. Be honest with yourself. Does that describe your life? I'm talking about the followers of Jesus and those that don't claim to be. Does that describe your life? Because I'm going to be honest, there are days that does not describe my life at all. My life is not vigorous. My life is not being lived as God has it. Why? Because I crept back over into my story. I'm reading a book right now. I've had the book for a while and I'm terrible about this. I'll order a book and then a year later I'll read it. Bill Johnson, um, I'm trying to life, uh, way of life. And it's talking about the culture they built at Bethel and how they've gone about it. And honestly, uh, it's a culture I want to build here because the supernatural, the prophetic is very alive in that culture. And uh, 
Now, he's, one of the things he said, he said, you know how I can tell someone's really getting the culture? It's if when they're asked to serve in an area that doesn't suit them or they don't really like, but they don't complain, they don't gripe, they just do it because they know the story's not about them. It's about Jesus. If you volunteer as a greeter and usher here, you need to know the days you come in here and your life is vigorous and man, you're shaking hands and welcoming. And then the days where you have to put on a smile, but you're here because it's not about you, God's still getting glory. Because you made a decision, it's not about me. It's not about my wants. It's not about my needs. See, I, 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 I know this is still where the story is uh, still a lot about people in the church. That's why this has literally hap really happened. Where church splits over the color of a carpet. Are you serious? That's what I can tell. Man, their story is lived all about them and not about Jesus. I could care less if this carpet is pink or now my wife might, but I could care less. I don't care what color it is if people are walking down it and getting delivered and saved. I could care less. I, I could care less if Bob's up here playing Mary Had a Little Lamb on a mouth harp if somebody walks in and gets saved. Because that's what I'm about. I'm about Jesus. It's not about me, Jesus. I've lived my life for me too long. And I've done a pretty good job at screwing it up. So now I'm going to step into your story. What do you want? What You want me to be a soundtrack? Absolutely. I don't even care if I can sing or not. I'm going to sing as loud as I can. Because I am the soundtrack to the greatest story ever told. The life of Jesus. I see people coming here. And... This may sound weird, but I know what they're walking through. I know what they're going through. I know the, the battles they're facing in their bodies and emotionally. But I see them worship. And you know what I see? I say, man, they get it. They've got every reason in the world to just sit this one out. But they're like, no, it's not about me. Him and His glory. At the end of the day, Jesse, I could care less if Kelly Goins gets remembered. Does Jesus get remembered because I, of, of the way I live my life, the way I portrayed Him? Does He get glory? Does He get glory, guys, when somebody back here in the nursery is changing a dirty diaper? to give a mom or dad out here a break so they can get ministered to. Absolutely, he's getting glory. Don't ever think what you're doing is meaningless if it's done for God. Are you hearing me? I have a feeling if you was to ask Connie, Melanie, a, a, uh, what's this clean living and Athens about. I doubt one time it would say, 
Well, you know what? Man, we, we've been working on this. We love what we're doing. We're going to do. It would be a lot about, man, I know where I was, and Jesus found me and took care of me, and we just want to be that for other women in this community. You ask them why they do CR. It's not because they need something else added to the Thursday nights because they've got nothing else they could be doing. It's because of what Jesus did in their life. Now they feel compelled to be the soundtrack to what he's doing in the world. Man, you ask Melinda and David, hey, why do y'all do Hope Ministries? Well, we don't really have anything better to do on Friday nights. Me and David don't really want to go, have a chance to go out on a date. No, they will tell you this. Because I know what it's like to walk through deep depression. I know what it's like to walk through hurt. And now I want to be the soundtrack of what God can do when he shows up in your life. I shared him. Why she does her young mother's class or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. Huh? Risen motherhood. All I know is the house is empty for two and a half hours. No. <laughs> no. No. You ask her, hey, why do you do that? Because I know what it's like to be a young mother and really not. It's all being new to me. And need somebody else that's going through it to walk with me through it. And I want to be the soundtrack for other young mothers. And show them that it can't be done. I'm telling you guys. I'm taking a while here because I'm trying to get you to understand something. The reason we do centuries. The reason people give up months out of their schedule every weekend for about three months. Not so they can pat themselves on the back. It's because of what Jesus has done in their life and they want to be the soundtrack to what he can do in this world. I feel like God's speaking. Soundtrack. That's what I want to be. See, the truth is, when we come in here this morning, this room began to fill up with music. Some of the songs were about you. You were singing your songs about you. Others began to join in the soundtrack of the worship of God because they knew if not for God, my life really doesn't have meaning. If not for God, I'd be dead or in jail. If not for God, I wouldn't have anything. If not for God, I would have lost my family. If not for God, I would be homeless. If not for God, I'd be dead with a needle in my arm. If not for God. Stand with me.